I went out on what's called visitation one time, and uh, it was around this time of the year that we went on what we call visitation. We go to folks' homes and, and visit with folks, and I had a gentleman with me. His name was Randy Mullins. Randy and I went on this visitation, and we walked into the home, and we were inviting the folks out and doing similar to what we're doing here this morning. We had gifts for the children and different things. We began to talk to the family, and we, uh, as we were having a conversation with them, we asked them, do you know what Christmas is about? And they had no idea. They didn't even know why they were doing it. And so they gave us some explanation, but they were more or less talking about Easter and not Christmas. I found it fascinating as I talk to folks sometimes, they're not even really sure why we celebrate Christmas. Well, uh, it's wonderful that we have a babe in the manger, but that babe in the manger is the Savior of the world. <laughs> and so when we look to the scriptures and the scriptures that Brother Chris read, as we get into these, you get down here and it says in verse 13, and suddenly there were with uh, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, this babe that was wrapped in those swaddling clothes came from God, that he might help us understand a truth, and that is, is that we cannot go to heaven without his son, Jesus Christ. There's no way to get in. There are, is a lot of folks that today Christmas has become more of a materialistic type thing, and we think it's about just getting gifts and giving gifts, but the greatest gift ever given was Christ the Lord. <laughs> and we look to the scriptures and we see this. Now, Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he offers to us this gift called eternal life. And so Christ the Lord came that he might come down to man. It's God in the flesh. And he comes down and he offers himself as a sacrifice for our sin, the things that we did wrong and the things that we do wrong. And he offered himself as that sacrifice. So I look to the scriptures, and he says in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I guess what we have to really understand this morning is our lost condition. What position are we in apart from Jesus Christ? And that's a lost condition. And some people say, well, what do I have to be saved from? It's a sin condition. It's what we are, not just the things that we do that keeps us separated from God. And the only thing that can bring us back into a right relationship with God is this, what we celebrate, this babe in the manger. But the Bible begins to tell us some things about Jesus, and we see him grow up from that babe in the manger to become the sacrifice that God had sent to cover our sin for us. And the Bible tells us again that he's going to return again one day, and that he's going to come as not a babe in the manger, but as the Lion of Judah. He's going to come with a rod of iron, rule and reign. And, and so we see something here that's so wonderful for us. And so the question was asked this morning of you, who is, what's your response to Jesus? And I thought about this, who then is Christ the Lord? And when he speaks of saving that which was lost, what does he mean that he's going to save that which is lost? So this is an important question maybe to ponder in your own hearts. He is the one that came to the earth to seek and to save those who are separated from God. And the reason we're separated from God is because of our sin nature, what we are, not just the things we do. And so we get into the scriptures as this is not just what we do, but what keeps us separated is that sin nature. 
And so we see this firstborn son of God. And so what does it teach us? Well, many celebrate Christmas, but not sure what the reason for that celebration is. Christmas has become uh, what I would call shopping toys and decorations. And the reality is, is what it's about is about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The world philosophy is to have a holiday season, but God tells us something very different about the birth of our Savior. So we look at this, and in Matthew 1, 23 through 25, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she brought forth his first, her firstborn son, and he, call, and he called his name Jesus. What I want you to understand is Christ does not have that sin nature that everyone else was born with because he was born of a virgin. God placed that seed in Mary's womb. And so he is sinless. And God needed a sinless lamb to be slain for our sin. In Romans 8, 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God had a plan for you and for me that after we get saved, that means that we trust Jesus Christ to take our soul to heaven. And by the way, religion does not take you to heaven. Baptism does not take you to heaven. Communion does not take you to heaven. Your name on a church roll does not take you to heaven. Heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't come by way of communion or baptism. It comes by way of a personal relationship. The Bible clearly says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Because if it's of works, we get to boast to God why we're getting ready to enter into heaven. And I don't know that it happens this way, but this firstborn son, if we're to stand before him at the gates of heaven and he were to ask you, what is the reason you get to enter into heaven? What would you say to him? You as an individual right now, here today, what would you tell him that would allow you to enter into his heaven? <laughs> well, Lord, I, I haven't killed anybody. Well, Lord, I, I quit lying when I was 10. Well, Lord, I, I didn't do all these bad things that I saw other people do and... He may look at you and say, turn from me, I never knew you. You see, what gets you into heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do you get that relationship? Well, we look here and we know that he has something for us. He used words for know and predestinate. His idea is, is once we get saved, we become more like his son. Big words that just simply mean that God had already determined once you get saved that you are more like his son. How many of you enjoyed the kids this morning? Amen? Wasn't yeah. that good? Yeah. How many want to see young children raised up and serve the Lord? Yeah. Cody, you see a lot of stuff on the streets today, don't you? And a lot of that comes by way of people not really raising up their children through the local church anymore. They've abandoned God and they've abandoned truth and they've abandoned the things that will really make a home strong. And that child that came, that Savior that was born, his name is Jesus. In Colossians 1, 15 and 18, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. In other words, this baby that was born deserves to be above all things in our lives. Preeminence means that he is so important that it takes precedence over everything else that's in our lives. 
That's how important he is. There's no other like Christ, folks. <laughs> a lot of people serve a religion, and I'm telling you to serve the Savior. Serve the Savior. It's so wonderful to really know him. You know, one of the most quoted and most familiar passages in the Scriptures, in fact, if I start to say it, I imagine maybe even the children would say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? When you read that verse and you see that, we forget the following verses in 17 and 18. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but notice the phraseology here, but that the world through him might, listen to what I'm about to say, might be saved. When I look at that, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. To not have condemnation or hell, you must have Jesus Christ. You can't separate him. And, and the reality is, is he, we know this verse, it gets held up in almost every football game you ever see on television. It's usually in the end zone, but we don't really think about what that verse really tells us. For God so loved the world, but it doesn't mean the world loves God. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. There isn't another. There isn't some other religion. There isn't some other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no way to get into heaven but by Jesus Christ. So who is this Christ? <laughs> he is God himself in the flesh. He is the one that came and died for our sins. He's the firstborn son. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. When you get to Luke chapter 2 and you begin reading verses 8 through uh, uh, 12, you begin to see that he is the Savior of the world. Now, because he's the Savior of the world, he said that you might be saved. Now, there's a responsibility that we have to trust what God did for us. When you read this, he is the Savior of the world, and so the Lord teaches us through his word that Jesus Christ was the Savior that was born, and so why is it important to celebrate his birth? Well, if you think about this, do we continue to celebrate someone's birthday after they die? Here's what I want to challenge you with. The reason we continue to celebrate his birthday is because he's still alive. Amen. The Bible says he sits on the right hand of the Father. Listen, my Jesus does not hang on a cross anymore. His body is not lying in a tomb. He is no longer in the grave. The Bible clearly teaches us, and this is what I challenge Americans to do, just Americans alone, is read your Bible. Pick up your Bible and begin to let religion go and start reading the truth of God's Word, and it'll begin to open your eyes to truth. <laughs> and the truth of God's Word is, is that we have this God who came down to man who died for our sin, and religion will not take you to heaven. Baptism will not take you to heaven. Communion will not take you to heaven. And when a soul dies and it goes to hell, it doesn't get out. You cannot pray it out. You cannot pay it out. You have to trust Jesus now. <laughs> when I look to the Scriptures, he was born that he might die, that he would be raised again, the firstborn, resurrected, Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. <laughs> this summer we had that in our lesson with Joshua. 
And you think about the word ransom, and you think about this, he was a ransom for many, a payment demanded or paid for the release of a prisoner. That's a ransom. And believe me, folks, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a prisoner to this world, and you are a prisoner of an eternal hell unless you allow Jesus to pay your ransom. <laughs> when I look into the Scriptures, John 4, 42, and he said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and to know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. Anybody believes that you can work your way into heaven, the Bible denounces that. The Bible denounces works get you into heaven. I can show you over and over again that you cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot do enough good things to get into heaven. You must trust the Savior of the world. You must trust Him to take your soul to heaven when you die. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What I preached to you this morning is called the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The good news is... We are not going to live here forever. The good news is, is you actually have a soul. And the good news is, is Jesus Christ died for your soul. And the good news is, is if you'll trust Him and believe in Him, the good news is, heaven is your home. And it's not going to come by way of religion. It's going to come by the truth of the Word of God. <laughs> it's you submitting yourself now, not when we pass from this earth. <laughs> it's now. You see... Anybody that would die and go to hell would certainly want to get out, amen? And you say, why would a loving God have an eternal hell? Well, he made it for Satan and his demons. He never made it for the souls of men and women. And what he offers you is a free gift. His name is Jesus Christ, and that gift is offered to you. And we decide that we want to live this life apart from God, and we die and go to an eternal hell because we're not willing to accept what God did for us. You say, it can't be that simple. I have to do something. <laughs> you do. Trust in him. Believe in him. Trust what he did on the cross at Calvary. Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. <laughs> you see, Jesus is still alive, folks. <laughs> Jesus went into that tomb and lie there for three days and he was raised again. And he says to you and to me, if we'll believe in him, he'll take us with him when we part this earth. <laughs> Who then is this Christ, the Lord? And when he speaks of saving that which was lost, what does he mean? How do you do that? <laughs> I'm 54 years old right now. And I know I shared this thought with someone the other day. You see a man standing at a pulpit with a suit on, and so you have no idea who I am. Miss Kathy, I was a bus kid. Somebody came by and picked me up on the bus and started to tell me when I was a little kid, when I was 12, there's someone named Jesus who loves you. I came from a treacherous environment. Drugs and alcohol and 
immorality, the police on my doorstep on a regular basis, hardships, heartaches, drugs being sold out of our home, terrible environment to be raised in, alcohol constantly. And then I decided as I was growing on that what would change my life is if I made money, then, then I decided, well, I, I want to be wealthy, I want to make money, and I just shifted gears and I moved away from the drugs and the alcohol and I moved into a world of money. And I thought money was going to solve my problems now. Well, the drugs and the alcohol didn't do it. And guess what else didn't do it? Money. And so as I got the money, I started to begin to drink again. And I began to drink myself just into a terrible stupor. <laughs> and someone came across my path again. And so I don't want you to ever think we're wasting our time, ladies, with these children. <laughs> They came across my path again and told me about a guy named Jesus. And he said, he loves you. I was now 30 years old. I lied to my wife to get married. She was saved. I was not. She said the only reason God allowed us to get married is because she wasn't following Christ. <laughs> and I share with you how I got saved was not of my own will, it was by what the truth of the Word of God says. At age 30, on October 12, 1995, I prayed. I bowed my head and said, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe what I deserve for my sin is death and hell. And Lord, the best I know how, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ and Him alone to take my soul to heaven when I die. And that night, on October 12, 1995, things began to change for me. <laughs> You say, how did you end up a preacher? That's too long a story to tell this morning, but I can share with you, God changed my life. I never, I never intended on being a preacher. I just intended on trying to be a better person through the Word of God. <laughs> and so Jesus brought an eternal offering to me, and now I have peace in my heart that when I die, heaven is my home. It's amazing, Chris. <laughs> It's a different life. It's hard to explain to people that there is a better life beyond what we're living right now. <laughs> There's a much better life that you can live, and it's choices that you're making every day. And the choice began by trusting Christ as my Savior. And when I did, He showed me through His Word. There's power in it, and it's very different than any other book that you pick up because this is just not a book. This is a filter by which our lives are to be filtered through, and it's what changes us and makes us different and causes us to come to that place where we live in obedience to Christ. <laughs> you know, it tells me in the Scriptures to bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. <laughs> you know, it says cage in those thoughts. You know, we want to let our thoughts out, don't we? <laughs> and we've got some enemies we got the flesh, we got the world, and we've got Satan, and those are enemies. They're not three separate enemies, but they're enemies that work in conjunction with one another to keep us away from Jesus Christ. <laughs> and when I get into the Scriptures and I look at verses 13 and 14, and suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What an amazing statement for us. Those of you that believe... Wow, what a promise. 
What a promise. And so I look to the Scriptures, and Jesus Christ is peace. He's the goodwill given to men. And to have this peace, you must also have Jesus Christ. It says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you with, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's a peace that Jesus gives. My mom, when I was little, she would want us out of the house at times when I was a little guy. And she'd say, get out of this house. I want some peace in. Go ahead, you can say it. Probably all of you experienced that at one point or another, amen? I want some peace in. Right? They know. My mom's idea of peace and quiet was that there was no noise in the house. And Jesus said, I offer you a different kind of peace. Jesus said, I'll give you a peace that in the midst of your turmoils, in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your circumstances, I will give you a peace that passeth all understanding that shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <laughs> I'll give you a peace that in the middle of your trial, inside you're calm. <laughs> Outside turmoil is going on around you, but I offer you something. This peace only comes by way of a personal relationship with Christ. You know, at one point in my life, I decided that it was time to get married. <laughs> and so I shared with you just a moment ago that I lied to my wife to get married. And I told her that I was saved. He said, what are you talking about? I told her that I was saved. I heard it when I was on a bus when I was a kid. Hey, I'd even been baptized. I'd been taken through the pool. <laughs> I'd come out and somebody told me because I was baptized, I was on my way to heaven. <laughs> Baptism doesn't take you to heaven. A prayer doesn't take you to heaven. <laughs> it wasn't until I was 30 that I realized what was going to take me to heaven. So, but one day, I stood at an altar. And at that altar, I stood there with this beautiful woman here. You can wave your hand. And I remember, you can actually see, how many of you know what a videotape is? How many in here are that old and remember what a videotape is? I have a videotape of my wedding, Aaron. You can see me standing there, and my pant leg is going like this. Now, you couldn't see that on the outside of me, but I remember I was just standing there, and I could just see the pant leg going back and forth. And I thought, oh, man, what am I about to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But I did something that day. I said I do to her. And I said I don't to the rest of the women in the world. You see, when you get saved, you say I do to Jesus. And you say I don't to the rest of the world now. To change in thinking. <laughs> when I thought about this, I said, well, you know, well, how do I get to heaven? What happens to me? I mean, how do you get there? And as a 30-year-old man, I was in a meeting with a pastor and my wife, and we're being counseled because I'm now thinking, well, we're going to separate. We're going to end up in a divorce. We're going to end up with all these problems and, and, and all this stuff. And I knew I, I still loved her, but I didn't understand why all these things were going awry. We've got a house. We've got clothes. We've got cars. We've got food. We've got these things, we've possessions, we've got all this. Why are we not happy? Anybody ever been there? Why are we not happy? 
We got stopped. Why am I not happy? And I remember going in and sitting down in a room one night, and I was asking this preacher some questions, and he began to open this book up. And he began to teach me something from this book, and I asked him a question that night on October 12, 1995. I asked him a question, and he started to open the Bible, and he turned it around to me, he slid it over to me. I picked it up, and I threw it at him. I said, I am sick to death of every time I ask you a question, all you do is open that dumb book and try to tell me what it says. I want to know what you think. Miss Penny, that man put his head down. And he went like this. My wife's sitting there watching me acting like a fool. And Brother Chris, he opened that book back up. <laughs> Jim, he turned that thing around to me. And at that moment, Cody, my mind snapped. That is what he thinks. That night, I'm going to share you with you what happened to me that night. I was in that room, and I've been taught a lot of things. But I didn't understand that hell was eternal, and so is heaven. And he began to tell me that he... There's a Jesus who loves me, and when I was 12, Kathy, I was hearing that. I heard it from the time I was about nine till I was 12, riding on a bus. Someone kept telling me, there is a Jesus that loves you. And all of a sudden, Miss Connie, when I was sitting in that room that night, this man said something to me again that I had not heard for a long time. There is this man named Jesus who loves you, Bob. And it took me back to a moment in time. And he began to open the scriptures. He began to share some things with me from the Bible. And here was one of the things that I shared with you when I started the service this morning. Why or what are we lost from? You see, you have to understand when I say lost, that means that you are separated from God for all eternity unless you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. What do I need to be saved from? You need to be saved from an eternal hell. And believe me, religion isn't going to accomplish that for you folks. It's going to have to come by way of Jesus Christ. So he opened the Bible and he shared a verse with me in Romans 3.23. And the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> so, you know, Chris, I was sitting there, I was like, okay. And he looked at me and he said, How does God know that? And of course, I could give you a pat answer, right? He's God. I thought I was being smart. <laughs> Jim, I never felt so foolish when he began to explain to me what was wrong with me. And he began to open that Bible and he began to show me something. And there's something in the scriptures found in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 12. It says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for they're all of sin. And you notice that is not a plural sin it is a singular sin. It is my nature. It is what I am that's keeping me separated from my God. Now, Jesus died for my sin. He died for all my sins. But I'm, I want you to understand this morning, there is a nature that possesses us. By the time we are born, we have that sin nature in us. And God said, Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
One day God planted a tree in the middle of a garden. We'll use this as the example. And that tree that he planted in the middle of that garden, there was some fruit on that tree. And he told Adam one day, he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When you read the Bible, God says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That one man, kids, his name was Adam. And what Adam did, folks, was disobey God. And you say, are you kidding me? No. God planted that tree and he said, you leave it alone. But Adam decided to go over and take a bite of that fruit. And when he did, the Bible says sin entered into the world. People have asked me, why tragedies? Why cancer? Why sickness? Why heart attacks? Why school shootings? Why are these things happening in our nation? Why is mother against brother and brother against sister? Why are all these things happening? And I share with you, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for the all of sin. That word death is spiritual separation from God. <laughs> Romans 6.23 said there's a wage to be paid for that. He said for the wages of sin, singular, is death. For the wages of sin is death. It's the same word again. That's that spiritual separation from God. That is death and hell. Now, if it ended there, that's a bummer, isn't it? It's all over. For the wages of sin is death. Well, God just said, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. God has said, sin is passed upon all men. God said, there's a wage for this, and it's death, and it ends there. That's terrible, isn't it? And God said in Romans 5, 8, but God commended us, God demonstrated, God showed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a wonderful verse to read, Amen. Now, we've got gifts under the tree. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And I have not finished that verse yet. There's a three-letter word that comes up. It's the word but. Now, how many of you in here, I'm going to show my age now, remember conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> Hooking up and, nors, fours, buts. Do you remember that? Schoolhouse rock. Anybody remember that? Just say amen. You're lying. I know you all remember it. And if we didn't, we bought it and played it for our kids. <laughs> Man, I like that three-letter word, but. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but. What a contrast. The gift of God is eternal life. Now listen to me. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It doesn't come any other way. It comes through Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. That gift that you have under here is exciting, but there is an eternal gift that every one of us have access to, and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just like the majority of the gifts that are under the tree cost you nothing because somebody else did this for you. Somebody else purchased it for you. I want you to know Jesus Christ purchased you. 
if you'll trust and believe in him. Now, when I share that with you, 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, and this is the record. He's talking about the Bible, the scriptures. <laughs> and this is the record that God hath given to us. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Eternal life. Now, salvation, saved, eternal life, born again, whatever term you want to use, they're used interchangeably in the scriptures. They all mean one thing, heaven. And so he says, and this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. Now listen to me. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. To have eternal life, you must have Jesus Christ. And you might say to me this morning, how in the world would you do that? How do you get that? And I'm going to show you this is exactly what I did in that room that night when Pastor Nichols looked me in the eye and he said, Bob, I have one question for you. If you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? Now, I at first thought that he's really mad at me because I threw the Bible across the table at him. He's about to clock me. And I remember looking at him, and my wife was sitting there, and I felt terrible because I said, I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen to me. But I'm going to illustrate this verse for you. And many of our church members have seen this before, but I want you to see this firsthand because it's the only way I know how to illustrate this. And he said, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. So I'm going to get the kids to really speak out for me here, Miss Kathy, okay? Is that all right? I'm going to yell at them now. No. <laughs> hey, kids, this is eternal life. So what's the pen? Life. Say it real loud for me. What's the pen? Okay, and then we're going to believe that for just a moment that this book is Jesus Christ. So what's this book? Jesus Christ. What's the pen? What's the book? Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you what this verse says. And this is the record that God hath given to us. What's this pen? And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath, what's the pen? And he that hath not the Son of God hath not what? To have eternal life, folks, you must have Jesus Christ. You say, well, I get him every time I take communion. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, I get him every time that I pray. No, you don't. The Bible says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You cannot separate the two of them. <laughs> to have eternal life, you must have Jesus Christ. You can't separate these two things. That night in that room, I prayed. I said, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. Why? Because God said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> I said, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. And then I was reading in the scriptures as he's talking to me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm reading these verses. He keeps turning that book around to me, the very book that I just threw at him, and he's opening it up, and he's saying, I want you to understand the one that you threw the book at loves you. He began to open the Bible, and he began to share with me the very verses that I shared with you. And he said, Bob, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, hell is going to be eternal for you, just like heaven can be eternal for me. Mm -hmm. 
And I challenge every one of you this morning to really perk up. Listen, you may never get a chance to hear this again. This may be the last time you get an opportunity to hear this. You say, ah, you're a fool. No, I just buried a man the other day that is 47 years old. That's pretty young, isn't it? Tomorrow didn't come. And all of us are in a line. And no one gets out of that line. No one gets to advance in that line. And no one gets to go to the back of the line. Death has fallen upon all men, for that all have sinned. And God gives us an answer. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life, well, it's in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. How do you get to heaven, preacher? Well, the good news is, there's some other verses here. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. He says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. To confess means I agree with God. I agree with God. Not agree with me. And anybody that has indifference with what this says, your disagreement's not with me. Your disagreement's with God. He wrote it. I didn't. And what I'm sharing with you, he said, if you confess with your mouth, in other words, if you agree with God, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, now listen to me, the Lord Jesus, that now means that he's become the master of my life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That night I prayed, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe what I deserve for my sin is death and hell. But Lord, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I said, Lord, the best I know how, I want to trust Jesus Christ and him alone to take my soul to heaven when I die. And that night, I prayed and I asked Christ to save me, and things changed. I didn't immediately become a preacher. I was still working in the world. And I'm not saying because you get saved, you end up going and becoming a preacher. I'm just simply saying your life will begin to change. And it comes down to choices. And you say, well, how'd you do that? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, when you call upon him, you're confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. This is not just a rote prayer or just some memorized prayer or some just response to a prayer. This is you actually understanding what God said about how to get to heaven. <laughs> this is you responding, understanding your sin condition, and that the only way you're going to find the cure for that it's through the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is not a religion. It is not baptism. It is not church membership. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ that has to be established for the soul of men to go to heaven. Because why? That is God's plan, not my plan. It's how God chose to do it, not how I chose to do it. 
It's what God said you need to do, not what I'm telling you to do. It's you making a choice to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus Christ's name is blasphemed so much today. I hear it so much more in blaspheme than I do in someone calling upon the name of the Lord to save them. It's unreal today. <laughs> Who is this Lord? Who is this Christ? Who is this Savior? His name is Jesus. And as the kids asked you a moment ago, what is your response? Heads are bowed, eyes 